find my center. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the Cubicorn Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morabito. We're going to talk about a few games, potentially talk about some of the stuff we've had going on. It's been a busy, weird couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but we're getting it done. And joining me to discuss such things, our games and other games, and God knows what else. <laughs> Lorraine Morabito is here. It's true. I'm the other half of the Wii. I'm losing it. Yeah. I've already did you, lost it. Did you have it, is the question. Well, that's like I was telling you before, like yesterday. I just, uh, I have like four irons in the fire. <laughs> Which we'll get into in a minute, I guess. But it's just like um, if you just shove more irons in there, you won't have to worry about the fire. <laughs> just keep putting them in. Let's go. Dipping a toe into a lot of different things. But... Oh, don't don't tip your toe into the fire. <laughs> That's how you lose a toe. A couple more weeks until the Cleveland Gaming Classic, mm-hmm. which is in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. The weekend of September twenty second, I believe. Something like that. So if you're in the area, uh. God forbid you're in Ohio. Come check us out. Uh, demo in our demo and super cucumber down the drain. <laughs> and then whatever else is going on there. I know there's a ton of free to play stuff mm-hmm. or free play stuff. A lot of other indie games potentially. Definitely a lot of retro stuff. It yeah. seems like it's going to be a cool weekend. So if you're in, be fun. in the part of the Midwest where that's a feasible you know, weekend trek, I would definitely stop in there like Saturday or Sunday and. Because it is only Saturday, Sunday, right? Yeah, like I said before, I think Friday is like set up. If you have a whole weekend ticket, there might be a little um, Mixer like party thing some, in the evening. Yeah. yeah, like a little bit of early access kind of deal from like I think mm-hmm. six or seven mm-hmm. p.m. Mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But the like most of it is Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Do my normal strategy when it comes to partying, not going. <laughs> Anti-partying. I'm boring that way. <laughs> Hello. You're like. Andrew WK's kryptonite. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm firmly against partying. Yep. <laughs> but in terms of what we've been up to, uh, game development-wise, because well. I've been just working on a lot of little stuff here and there, fixing mm-hmm. one or two bugs here and there, working on level stuff, which you checked a little bit out of. Yeah. That, like, you know, as usual, I'm kind of <laughs> further behind than I would like on everything. But progress is being made. It's true. Uh, Tower 3 levels are continuing to come together more. Mm-hmm. The last ones that need to be done on like the main track, basically. Little bits and pieces of music I'm mm-hmm. kind of hammering out. I played you a tiny little chunk of something earlier that was just like I had kind of slept together last night. That maybe will become a thing. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so speaking on to that front a little bit in terms of like how Cucumber is going to evolve sound-wise. Like we've talked about this a little before, but is it, right now the goal is for the final game to have one unique track for each of, of the levels, like each of the towers, mm-hmm. like the, the platforming levels, and then one boss fight track, at least for the base boss fights, if not like maybe there's like a, who knows, maybe a potentially final <laughs> deeper encounter where there will be different music, but wow. uh, at least one piece of music for each of that, mm-hmm. uh, for like one piece of music that all the boss fights will share, one unique piece of music for each of the different levels, mm-hmm. and then other little bits of stuff here and there, which means that like for the people who played the demo, that track that plays in Tower 1 will probably stay. Like I said, I think that piece of music is fine. Yeah. You know, not incredible. It's not terrible. It's perfectly cromulent. <laughs> <laughs> Adequately um, serviceable. But that also plays, like, by def- there's no other, like, music like that in mm-hmm. the game right now. So it's, uh, that has played by default in the other levels, like the Tower 2 and Tower 3 levels, too. And so those yeah. will both be replaced with new pieces of unique music, which I'm kind of working on. At Fits least one of them at the moment, yeah. in the, some degree or another. Um, I think my only addition to that, aside from, like... All the towers having their own 
boss fight music being a thing i think even if it is just one track i think the secret level should have a, a track like even if it's the same through all the it's like you know that you're kind of like how in like mario like super mario world or whatever like when you went into like one of those like hidden exits or whatever mm-hmm. or anything like there was just like a track that played while you were in there like i think that could be cool i'll think about that it doesn't have to be unique for each tower it could just be the same track across the entire game mm-hmm. uh, so you have the tower uh Two and three music, which is like just the same tower music that yes. starts in tower one, that will be replaced by something new. Mm-hmm. And the boss fight music will be replaced. So the existing boss fight music is just a down the drain track. So if you love that song, don't worry, it still exists. <laughs> down the drain. Uh, you can get it in the down the drain soundtrack on Actually, Steam now. It started uh, as a Space Quill mini track and <laughs> has been our podcast intro music for uh, like. Yeah, that's. That's not 14 years. It's leaving that game because we just kind of chucked it in there, but it's not, you know, it still exists someplace, but it is a banger. And then trying to uh, round out a little bit of more sound effects and music and stuff for like the title screen and stuff like that. That stuff's all come online kind of as I get to Mm -hmm. it, but that's kind of like just like a holistic roadmap of where audio stuff is going and like a non gameplay sense, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just making it very different. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been messing with in the last week or so is like tower three level stuff and music mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, how are you doing? Any thoughts know. on stuff you've been messing <laughs> never, with? Or updates? I've never, I've never had any thoughts. You've cranked out a few other assets for the title screen that I need to mm-hmm. get in there. And yeah, I've done a little bit of like, uh, I don't know, like busy work, more like just like fleshing out or rounding out certain things. Like the title screen has needed, we updated the logo for the first time in like however long it's been uh earlier this year and i wanted there to be at least some amount of like animation for that on in the actual game obviously you can't animate a printed logo (laughs) (laughs) um so i had fixed that up and cut the pieces out that needed to be done finished them or whatever um we added a new object to tower two which needed yeah if i remember i'll maybe post a couple of screenshots in the discord or something mm-hmm. of like just trying to be a little more proactive about if there's something that's easily digestible that i can just chuck in there yeah it's like a hey here's a thing we've been working on but yeah there so the tutorial sections of those levels the early tower two levels have changed a bit yeah they got in some reworking which i think they're good yeah and like you said there's a new gameplay thing that we will make use of more in the future uh-huh. of those like secret levels and quite possibly other levels deeper into the game period yeah as a concept i'm sure it'll come back maybe not that exact asset or whatever but who cares mm-hmm. um god i mean i'd done this a while ago but still have like the the biggest thing that i've undertaken recently recently was the preliminary like base work for the tower three boss um which is like technically like exists in the game just not really like I don't think it does anything just yet, but that will be quite an undertaking when it's time to do that. But now, like, that I have the generic, it'll be almost more like redrawing the sprites at this point, just because, like, if we can get it into the state, or at least a state that we're somewhat happy with, it will be in the next build in some form or other. And using those very sketchy um, frames will be much easier to, like, make something instead of doing it from scratch. I think the only other big thing on my horizon is the maybe the last or yeah, I think the last real big batch of redraws, which is Tower Four, which is as far as we got like actually designing stuff for because like 
There's technically some stuff for Tower 5. Because I know I've got, like, tile maps done for 5 and 6. And theoretical enemies that don't really, like... It was such a base concept of just, like, placeholder anything. Um, so there wasn't... There haven't really been, like enemies or even interactable things really made not too far at least for five and six but four definitely had quite a bit yeah um, those assets built are out pretty much well at least the, one version I, of them was yeah done. i know um i know we're also talking about making some changes to the tile set in general which yeah is I nowhere near no the same summer. amount as like reworking or adding an enemy that's mm -hmm. literally a single png <laughs> more or less but there is one of the bigger things in Tower 4 is a very complex enemy that was actually a Kickstarter reward um, way back when. Uh, if you pledged a certain tier, uh, you were allowed to design. I think that tier get, put you past the design a costume for Down the Drain, um, which not everybody got back to me for. Uh, and design an enemy for Cucumber, which I think there might have only been two people who did that and only one of them <laughs> ever got back to me. Um, but he's got a lot of frames <laughs> and he might need a little more. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like super happy with the first version, like more just like the general, like build of him. I liked what he could do. He was mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so maybe he'll get a little more like TLC with the, cause it'll be easier to do. Cause again, this, it's a pain in the butt, all the redraws, but it makes the asset creation so much faster and allows for much easier reworking and tweaking of them. I'm really glad that we did this, even though it has taken up a lot of my time. Uh, I think it's well worth it. But I think that is like, oh, aside from, like, because I, we haven't talked too much about Tower 4 boss between the two of us. He was never implemented in any way shape or form mm -hmm. previously i have a lot of frames for him but i don't know what if any of those are even going to be used just because we don't know what that fight's even going to look like and yeah we'll figure it out no discussion about five but i mean mm -hmm. I, like we i have ideas like i know i've kind of i've made some animations for him as well which could be easily implemented into any number of things and i mean i still want to like Shadow of the colossus mech suit climb for the Tower 6 boss, personally. But that's just me. That's as far as we've gotten with anything. We're in the process. But Always like said, a process. Uh... <laughs> so much process. And again, we're basically building the game linearly at this point. Yes. So, like, probably the, just because that's the kind of what we're, we've been going at that'll probably sort of continue to be true. I mean, I like... honestly think that's the best way to do it, just because, like, you're trying to escalate difficulty. Mm hmm and having that foundation and being able to build off of that and if like say like we had with this new mechanic that's coming in tower two that's a game changer for i could see it being used in tower four pretty mm -hmm. well especially yeah. given like the environment for it and five and six too and mm -hmm. having that idea in there and then building off of it and like again yeah and so as right like a last kind of rough road map of where we're going post cleveland like coming into yumicon later this mm -hmm. year and beyond It'll be uh, probably working on Tower 4 stuff next, and then 5 and 6, and then at some point, either after that or a little bit during it, 
I'll get a little more serious about um secret levels. Yeah, cuz right, secret levels are kind of the truer like though in their own way like from tower 1 through tower 6, they'll still probably escalate. Like oh, tower yeah. 1 ones oh, will probably yeah, be yeah, easier yeah. than the later ones. But I do consider them all kind of like Pockets. more the end game, yeah. quote unquote, than any of the base levels that you go through in the initial playthrough. I mean, in a lot of instances, especially in some of those earlier towers, you won't have the abilities right. to get them immediately. So you'll have to come back to find them. Mm -hmm. Unless you can do some real crazy tomfoolery, but I don't think in a lot of <laughs> cases, especially if stuff's in the ceiling, right? Uh, you won't really have a way to get there. Yeah, but that's... Uh... So yeah, that's where Cucumber's at. Woo! Still a work in progress. Like I said, it'll be at Cleveland Gaming Classic in a couple weeks, late September. And if you want to check out the game on your own time at any point, uh, you can join our Discord server. Yeah. Just go to cubicorngames.com, click the Discord icon at the top of the page, and hop in. We'll be posting the build we'll be showing off in Cleveland uh, probably on that same week we had out <laughs> there. So Most uh, likely, if you, yeah. if you can't make it to Ohio, <laughs> you can make it to the internet. And yeah. Download a version of the game. Whoop, woo. But yeah, I think that's it for updates on that stuff, on our crap. Yeah. <laughs> Lorraine, is there anything you want to talk about? Because there's like three things I could talk about a little bit. One of them I kind of don't care that much about, but if you wanted to like, I don't know. Because like Destiny, I'm kind of eh. I could talk about it a little or not. I mean, it's whatever. Uh, like the showcase was last week. They didn't actually show anything new for Final Shape, which of course not. Hive season. And that, you're right, that new season's yeah. out and it seems fine. It's fine. Like it's probably... Crota's, Crota's coming this weekend. Hooray. thing with Destiny is that it's still fine. It's still Destiny. <laughs> it's either awful or it's fine. The uh, only thing I will say is that, I don't know if this is necessarily a reflection of the season or what, but um, I'm pretty sure I gilded Dredgen the fastest I've ever done it, being <laughs> yesterday, so not quite a full week into the season. So I don't know if that's if that tells more about me and my gaming habits or what I'm choosing to focus on or what, because again... No power level increase. There's no pinnacle grind, which I'm all for. I love it. I love not having to do that shit. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah, it speaks volumes that that game. They've removed a lot of busy work from it over the last, like, mm -hmm. eight months or so, but there's still an astronomical <laughs> busy work left in it. That oh, for sure. Tells you how bad it's been. Destiny's destiny. Yeah, it's fine. Like, so that this new season, if anything, seems, like, a little above average, but relative to Bungie's own output. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, pretty mid, mm -hmm. <laughs> all things considered, in terms of the things you could be doing with yeah. your time, I suppose. It's hard to judge. I can never, like, adequately gauge the season that launches with an expansion, because it's just so weird. Those two things meld together so much in my brain. But I personally liked Season of the Deep, the last season, and um, Season of the Witch seems to be doing okay. Like, I'm interested in it they're doing some weird stuff yeah. and I, I like how closely it ties to season of the deep specifically like narratively because mm -hmm. like the last the season that launched with beyond light or light lightfall was doesn't matter it actually tied more into the previous season at the end of witch queen which i thought was pretty cool it was like that was that bridge because like lightfall is just kind of there <laughs> it's still so weird to see it like footage against with it against other like parts of destiny like in the showcase they had like montage and like you could everything else was pretty cohesive and there's just like fucking lightfall it's a very <laughs> strange example of like 
iterative game design because now I'm thinking back to like because the, the other thing about Destiny is that it's just the law of diminishing returns. Oh yeah, hundred percent to the nth degree at this point because that game has been kicking around for so long. The sunk cost law law of diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> well it's just like nothing feels super fresh and again like, no. i think this year had kind of felt worse because the big expansion wasn't quite what people were hoping for like yeah. it was definitely a little underwhelming to a little to a lot underwhelming depending on who you ask but, yeah uh, so i like feel like even the the biggest refresh that that game does ever get felt like you know less <laughs> yeah. than it has been in, at some points and then like i said the seasons themselves seem like fine but you know what you're gonna get yeah just a fistful yeah. of new guns and some activities that even in when they're like new the best stuff that they put out it's still kind of just like you know it's go to place thing. kill some shit yeah and like yeah i think it all the way back because like even when destiny one came out which itself like i said i think uh when people get super high on the supply of like when destiny's <laughs> been at its best they're still like forgetting the worst just, right just like how, how what a mess that game has always been because when destiny one launched it was very bare bones and oh, very yeah. lame <laughs> <laughs> um and even then like you know, people have talked about them not making new enemy types and stuff like on a broad, like a whole new race or whatever, mm-hmm. which I definitely think would be a cool thing for them to add. But if you think about how long Bungie's been doing this stuff, period, like a lot of the Destiny 2 enemy archetypes are still ultimately derived from like Halo. Yeah, like the exploding Curse Thrall or whatever are basically just the flood guys that like shoot the spores out and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> that game is pretty long Spoiler in the tooth alert. in terms of like major. Destiny has always uh, been mid. Sea change like shifts. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that. It's just like the I don't know. It's just a it's just an interesting product. No, it's bizarre as hell. I feel like they've shot for the moon in terms of like outward posturing almost every release and have hit that mark maybe like fifteen percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's not to say that, like I said, I that it isn't a tremendously uh. Like it doesn't take an astronomical amount of effort because it is a pretty complicated product. Like oh, I'll absolutely! Give them that, yeah, but, it's a mess. <laughs> uh, it's a hell of a thing. <laughs> it is quite a video game. Um, the last thing I think I'll say on that front, and then we'll move on, is that like it's, it, thinking about Destiny has get uh, it's got me thinking about. Have you seen like? I mean, it's it's kind of been passed at this point, but I feel like it was just maybe more contemporarily popping off the last time recorded of like the Baldur's Gate kind of discourse. I mean, I haven't really. L- kept track of it it's I just kind of like people are very into that game mm-hmm. and it seems very good and then there there had been some initial pushback from just game developers in general that are yeah. like hey this is kind of a massive outlier don't expect games to be this good basically <laughs> um uh. which like i very much i am like almost exactly 50 50 between i think <laughs> how people have come down on that because on the one hand like and again this comes to like down to like shit ass platforms like twitter yeah that, like it's very hard to like like this would be a much better conversation to have over the course of like 20 or 30 minutes with somebody in like an interview sense than like yeah. to just throw out three sentences of hot takes about it yeah but like people are right in that like every game is different mm-hmm. and the goals of every game are different and at the end of the day the challenges that they face are all different so like comparing one game apples to apples to another is not it's pointless. great in many sense in many cases like i get that but on the other hand i do feel like at least some of the people who are in that camp of like, hey, don't expect <laughs> shit to be good are just kind of defending the status quo of Oh like, yeah, a hundred percent. The production pipelines and the business decisions made by the corporations they're a part of. Yeah. Because like your game doesn't have to be monetized by being a manipulative free to play nightmare. 
but it will but, be right. It, but it, but if you guys have chosen, if you've built your whole business, like if you were perhaps a bungee, let's say, <laughs> and you need that is, constant drip because you're right, a- who's built their whole business and every promise they've made to their like you know internal stakeholders and to now their literal you know business owners daddy. at Sony or whatever. If the promise you have made is we make live service games that like are generate generate revenue every second they're up. Like mm-hmm. that's the, the that's what we ship. The facade is starting to crack openly on that with people, whereas mm-hmm. like it's been brewing, I think, for a long time now in the background that people are just kind of tired of everything stuff being like, yeah, kind of mid and kind of incomplete and kind of fucked up and kind of manipulative and like. To well, because just... like in a lot of ways, like I think some of the shift happened when like loot boxes were outlawed or outlawed or whatever, because that was like kind of the crux of it is like oh you could spend money and who knows what you'll get you could get this like common thing or this ultra rare thing but you won't know unless you make all these pulls and they got rid of that so now it's just like an aggressive marketing campaign of like maybe well we can make this a little bit easier if you just kind of like slip us five dollars and give you a little boost like the tactics have changed but they're it's still the same like the hook is still there. It's still in you. <laughs> Some of that pushback is just a nature of like game dev in general is like that. It's mm-hmm. just like every project's different, and you're always building the car while As it's on it's the driving, highway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the, but the, like I said, the thing that's different about about a lot of that free to play stuff is that like the, that doesn't have anything to do with the monetization of your product. Mm-hmm. Like it's obviously for um. I think it's just, like again we're talking like a difference between like how it is for management versus how it is for consumers. Because for consumers, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Having free to play stuff in your game just makes it worse. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it does put a stressor on the the engineering team, like mm-hmm. the development that like wouldn't need to be there. Like if you don't need to create the payment processing systems and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. like have people on to determine what your fucking economy is going to be to try to max how much revenue you can get. Like those are all things you can just wash out of the development process completely, mm-hmm. and be like, we don't need any of those any of those people, or we don't need the hours on the those parts of this thing. Yeah, management doesn't care; they just want the max return on revenue possible. Mm-hmm. But like. For the creative people, you know, I it's have just, a feeling most people who enjoy, who enjoy making games are not super enthusiastic about making sure that <laughs> every second <laughs> the monetization, of every, right, every, yeah. the monetization makes fifteen percent more than like twelve percent or whatever. Like you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like like I don't think people are like on the creative side are that invested in exactly like min maxing the mm-hmm. perfect ratio of like player attachment and purchases or whatever. And then yeah, it's just like the the difference between like kind of in the gameplay. Like I said, game dev is always like that, where it's kind of a hectic. You're piecing together as you go. But the difference between something that is a quote unquote shipped product versus something that's a live service game is that that stuff is out in public all the time, always. So it's yeah. not it's not just you're not just building the car, you know, in an airplane hangar where it's you and the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the fellow engineers who know how the car works are building the car as you go. Like in in a, a quote unquote traditional game dev environment, when you have designated a thing as like gold when it is complete, you know the car has been built and now you're giving it out to the public. But every live service game, like that process, just continues in perpetuity for as long as the product exists. You're adding of, wheels. You're adding yeah. axes. You're All right, just... we're gonna put it out the door and exactly it'll have three wheels and like the the steering wheel will be like very loosely attached and don't worry <laughs> we'll, fix it. we'll fix it in the next two or three weeks as we're kind of like you yeah. know driving down to <laughs> san jose or whatever we'll just keep keep wrenching on it as you as yeah. you like drive around in it and yeah people's tolerance note again like i said i don't i don't think there is any uh i think people should be uh belligerent about that yeah about people shipping them stuff that just is not done <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but the the agreement as a consumer was I give you money for products you product should be complete like I don't I don't go to McDonald's and buy a cheeseburger and then like the top bun shows up a week later <laughs> <laughs> fuck that <laughs> but yeah so like I said I'm very sympathetic to both sides of that argument of like on the one hand there's a lot of truth to this but on the other hand the business side is just totally fucked fuck yeah. games fuck the way the game's business has restructured itself and just fuck business man oh. <laughs> business and yeah suck. from a consumer standpoint like people should want the things that they purchase like if this game says it's done should be it fucking should be done, done. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whatever <sighs> it is what it is <laughs> um and then as far as other stuff play a little street fighter still yeah. i don't i'm not going to talk about that for more than like a minute or two but it's still fun hooray that's good again it's just fun in a way that um like I said, and part of this is just because it's I haven't done it in a while again, so it's nice to just like play a fighting game. Yeah, play different games. Like if you play one thing all the time, just tr- go out of the go out of your way to try to find at least one other thing <laughs> to change up your flow. Because yeah, Destiny had been my only game for some time there because it was very digestible. Well, then like <laughs> nothing was coming out, like nothing of like that had really like piqued either of our interests. Like there was mm-hmm. a good chunk of time where I wasn't playing anything else because there just wasn't anything I wanted to play. Yeah, I'm just gonna buy something but, uh, to not enjoy it street fighter 6 is a ton of fun Woo. if you think you if you have like an inkling that you might be into fighting games even if you haven't like played them a ton personally i would totally recommend it because there's all that single player stuff so mm-hmm. even if you don't want to like go mix it up with other people but you do just want to like smoosh a bunch of buttons and have a karate man do stuff to other karate men always like, there's fun to be had there <laughs> <laughs> and i am really enjoying just kind of getting online like i said the only way i've played that game is just basically like queuing up for rank matches and seeing if I can finally mm-hmm. get <laughs> into like gold tier and beyond. Woo! Uh, I've got a little. I got a few points this week. Hell yeah! <laughs> get them points. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. And if I ever do, well, I will eventually do more YouTube content. But if I like another game specific thing that I like, I feel like you could do. Uh, I could do like fifteen or twenty minutes. On just the economy of Street Fighter Six, <laughs> I mean, like the gameplay economy, not like the monetization, which it, that it does have that stuff too. Oh, of like, course, just like every other fucking stupid thing that comes out these days. But how impressive the drive gauge is, mm. and that it like it took a bunch of systems from Street Fighter that were like pretty obtuse and and in many cases pointless. Like the way that dizzying worked and stuff was like kind of dumb and meaningless. And like if you hadn't evolved from evolved it, it would just probably have been smart to just chuck it in the garbage completely mm. and just like remove that from the game entirely but the way they've have like recontextualized how using ex moves works and how the whole defensive and offensive mechanics work in the game in general around this one like resource that needs to be like kind of dutifully managed mm. it's just so smart like i'm i'm just super impressed by the the folks who came up with that stuff because it's <laughs> like uh it's just a lot of fun. The game is very enjoyable, but like I said, from a really nuts and bolts perspective of like getting the the microscope out and <laughs> kind of doing a deep analysis, I would love to see all the iterations they went through to get to the mm-hmm. the place that it's at, like in the shipped product. But it just seems so well thought out and so well implemented. And to this day, like uh, you know, just about three months after release, people are still kind of like uh, figuring out figuring stuff out and figuring out how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. But like generally, it's been a very positive and very well uh, received product, and I'm not surprised by that at all. Hell yeah! It's just a lot of fun, the fun of pushing buttons and watching cool shit happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's like ultimately like the like the fighting game thing is just like it's fun to watch but push buttons and watch cool shit happen <laughs> always. <laughs> and then on the completely 
opposite end of the spectrum. And this might be the last thing we talk about, right? Unless you have something to throw on, but I was going to briefly discuss Lorcana. Yeah, if you want to. Because that's another thing. We both like played to some degree. Like you played a couple games against Amanda or I whatever. I played a game. <laughs> was it just one? I it don't was remember. Just you played one. two, but no, you guys played a set. You uh, played just one. But yeah, stepping all the way out of video games and into the tabletop universe. Yikes! Uh, the Disney trading card game Lorcana had a soft launch uh, two weeks ago, one week ago, whatever it's been. A couple weeks. Two. Yeah, I believe it was the 18th of August. Whatever date is today, I forget. <laughs> 29th. And that was a shit show in its own right of like them getting product into the channel. They just fucked that up. Like there was yeah. not nearly. They probably produced five to ten percent of what <laughs> the demand was. So I, I, it seems like that's going to resolve itself as the weeks and months go by here, mm. oh, and they get more shit into the channel. But as far from a gameplay perspective, and from like a sociological perspective, <laughs> I guess I'll say it's the most interesting thing I think that's happened to trading card games. And this is more the latter than the former. That has happened in a really long time. Because gameplay wise, it's just like my initial impressions are that they did a they did a pretty good job making a product that is playable, and I'm still not quite sure yet how it's gonna scale <laughs> as people get like fucking serious about it, quote unquote. <laughs> but in terms of like from a like sociological fandom like mm-hmm. interest generating perspective, I think it's the most interesting product that's been released in the trading card game spheres, probably since Pokemon, like the original Pokemon, like yeah. when Pokemon first dropped, and that was more like, like you know, card games and tabletop stuff was more in its infancy in general, like relative to how it is now. And mm-hmm. that was a product that took a bunch of people who might not necessarily be into putting cards on a table yeah. and turned at least some of them into like, you know, lifelong fans of putting cards onto tables. <laughs> uh, and that, I think this game is the only thing that's come out since then that has like a strong potential to do that again. Yeah. Because I have just seen an outsized interest from people and like just gen- the general Disney fandom mm-hmm. who are like actively interested in both just acquiring the cards because the art looks really good. Yeah. And like, you know, they're they're attractively made and like there are a lot of thoughtful little references, both in terms of like characters they selected that are weird that you wouldn't necessarily like spring to the top of your mind when you think like popular Disney characters and also the way they've twisted on the art, which we'll talk about that a little more in a second. But not, not in terms of just acquiring it, but playing it like I like I've watched some um just like people who i wouldn't classify as like gamers quote unquote mm-hmm. in any sense like video tabletop or otherwise but people are just like in the disney fan community that are like hey yeah we're doing you know i'm going to my local game store and like we're organ- so, like we're organizing these uh like learn to play events and stuff like that like people seem to actually want to give it a shot mm-hmm. and as with anything you know probably six months from now most of them won't care and they'll fall off of it but like sure. like you know if you can retain like five to ten percent like new blood, like people who actually like might stick around and like yeah. kind of stick with it as a hobby. That's a really positive thing. Yeah, I think because again, I'm always of the opinion that more more is better in terms of like getting people invested in the thing you're interested in. Because mm-hmm. if 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 people aren't if you're not replenishing people in your hobby, it's gonna die out. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like, uh, if you want to want the if you think there's value in the things you enjoy, you want to you know. Keep them going for years to come. You need to bring new blood in, and you need vectors for people to enter the space. And Larkana, I think, could be that for trading yeah. card games in general, because it's been—it's a very grognardy. <laughs> like the people who are way into trading card games are a very specific type of person. Yeah. That like many of them may be <laughs> on the spectrum to some degree. Many, and if they're not, they're still extremely like mechanics heavy. Yeah. Like. Very nuts and bolts style, like really particular. Yeah, ga- game folks, 
and that You're has exhausting. led that has led to that space being uh gatekept to yeah, hell. Yeah, pretty pretty gatekept and spec- and as with you know kind of like fighting games and beyond mm-hmm. um all nerdish ter- hobbies in terms of right in terms of uh both marketing and vibes like pretty male dominated mm-hmm. to like their detriment <laughs> like i think the fgc and uh card games would be much better served with a more equal distribution of like male to female interest or just more diverse yeah in, more diverse period yeah. right and I, and that's like i think to some degree like i said if that that'll be a true like if we can stick this out and like get those numbers up right with like you know male female non-binary whatever just if we can get a more diverse crowd coming out period. of this than we had coming into it i think that'll be a really positive sign cuz mm-hmm. that that is true i think super true for uh like spaces that are marketed to cishet males in general and competitively focused Mm because fighting games are explicitly competitively focused and and trading card games are kind of like they kind of have become that like even though like i think when pokemon first came out i don't think people were thinking you know big money tournaments and shit like that but that that has become part of that game yeah like it is a a a facet of it and so every product like that has kind of like you know does the same thing magic's got the pro tour and pokemon Mm -hmm. does their events around the world and shit like that and it seems like lorcana is going to do something like that they haven't really talked about it in detail but yeah fragile men don't like getting beaten at stuff (laughs) (laughs) by especially by girls or you know whoever oh Uh, And so straight up, like I said, if we can come out of this with just like a more, a slightly more diverse environment that is more accommodating and more inviting to people to give it, give it a shot. I think that would be super cool. (laughs) And just based on the, the nuts and bolts of the way the product is built, I think that's a possibility because I think the floor is low enough that like, Mm. yeah, it's a pretty simple random people off the street can probably figure it out with a little bit of, you know, with a little bit of tutorialization (laughs) in a way that like magic is still like very hard to parse yeah like the way that like actions are cued and stuff like that it's just very much more fiddly than something like this which i definitely think is an improvement um but on the other side of that from a gameplay perspective at least like i said that's my hope that like that this will be a product that can bring in more people to trading card games period especially more people who might not have played them otherwise but then from a gameplay perspective i do think that there is a danger that the way that they've kind of leaned on accessibility relative to the card pool they've built can make the game feel really reductive at times because mm-hmm. like the and I don't, I don't remember what you you personally remember about the rules of magic but you can Nothing. always kind of to a base degree interact with your opponent in magic because you yeah. can attack with your characters every turn that they're like you know not summoning sick and then your opponent gets to choose like every time they get a choice of oh do i want to just take it to the face or do i want to block it with some of my other characters in play like some mm-hmm. of my creatures and in an effort to simplify the game which i think from like looking at it from that perspective i think it's super smart uh, Lorcana has kind of taken that choice less away from both players. They've kind of like minimized it. Uh, so how Lorcana works is when you attack with a character, you basically like, well, they've kind of divorced character combat from like the victory condition. Mm-hmm. So characters have like attack and defense stats basically. And then they also have a third little icon. That's how many points they generate. If you just choose to like quest make with points. them and take points. Yeah. yeah. So if you quest, you just take points and that's it. There's no like decision to be made by other people. You just do that. And if you want to challenge a character, basically to, to attack them in magic, that character has to already be tapped. They have to be exhausted, I, whatever the term is in Lorcana. I but, don't uh, remember. Basically, your opponent has to have done something with that character in their last mm-hmm. turn for you to meaningfully interact with them. Um, and so it does create a massively tilted card pool, I think, where the handful of cards that do interact with your opponent directly, like stuff that does direct damage or lets you directly target a character outside of combat and take it off the board, mm-hmm. have like way higher 
gameplay economic value yeah. than like the, the the styles that are less focused on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like red is really good, uh, steel is really good, and then similarly the the card advantage is kind of tilted too, where like purple is the the color that is best t- the best equipped to just get more cards into your hand, mm-hmm. and so that's one of the better styles by default because just there aren't a lot of vectors for that stuff right now, and I do think that. Uh, as the game evolves, to some degree, they can massage that out by just making the card pool more diverse across the different styles where each yeah. one has like some version of board control and some more baked-in version of card advantage that, like, you know, it might not be exactly like the purple one where you just draw cards by default or like the red ones where you just destroy a thing, no questions asked. I think they can mediate those things about the game engine with like new expansions and more cards. Um, but it's I, 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 I'm still very much like kind of deciding how I feel about it because mm-hmm. I've only played like I played in one little event I played like four or five games in one evening and I had yeah. a good time but like I said the difference between and I, and my games were p- split pretty evenly between I I played four four games that night and then like a couple like matches I ran it back with people played like deeper sets but I played four different players that night mm-hmm. and then about two of them were like pretty new they were either new to card games in general or just new to Lorcana specifically. Yeah. And then the other two were more well-versed in card games. And obviously everybody's kind of new to Lorcana, but like the, there are people who clearly played a, a heap and helping of, <laughs> you know, magic and parts beyond. Yeah. And yeah, those games very, the games against uh, other people, like against the more uh, newer. newer people were like fine. Like, because again, the, it wasn't both players pushing the limits of the mechanics of the game, mm-hmm. but when it came to the more experienced players, it definitely kind of devolved into like a weird, goofy standoff of like, well, I don't want to open myself up by doing anything this early on the game, so I'm just going to sit here and, you know, pass and keep drawing until I draw like the one the or two card, cards that yeah. I know will like dramatically change the mm-hmm. the nature of the, the battlefield because they can directly interact with stuff in a way that like just swinging on characters can't in the yeah. way that this game is built. So it'll be very interesting to see how that product evolves. But like mm-hmm. I said, I think they've done a lot of stuff well in terms of making a thing that is accessible to people mm-hmm. and making it attractive to people who don't necessarily play card games. And that's, I think, the last thing I'll throw out there because you can speak more to this <laughs> and then we'll call it a podcast. But that the art is really well done. Yeah, it's really nice because they did um, the villainous uh, boxed board games. Yeah, and Ravensburger, the company that those made Those had a lot of, like, I think... I. I think those were mostly in-house artists. I'm guessing. I don't. They didn't. Well, they're have, probably all just well, yeah. like contracted. But, well, no, I'm just yeah. saying, like, because they didn't have any. There was no like notification, as to my knowledge, about any of the actual art on those cards. Oh, it like on just, magic cards and like yeah. on the Lord kind of cards. Well, on where the it says cards, yeah. Person who wrote, drew it. Yeah. So it's hard to say exactly what. Cause they, they also had a much more uniform style, mm-hmm. like for those games, but they were really nice. They were like redrawing. Not just characters, but like even certain scenes from movies, all redone. No like screen, just direct screen grabs from any of the movies. So like I knew going in that like knowing they were making this game, they were probably going to have really good art on it, and they do. And I know <laughs> this is the one thing that uh, is probably again like we had talked about before a bit divisive in like your harder core Disney circles. There's like your, you've got your like strictly canon characters. You've got like a like kind of souped up dream crazy version of them and there can also be these like well what if one thing in the story was different versions of them so there's like all these like AUs spinning off into it and like making like the characters just appear different mm-hmm. in a lot of very interesting ways which I really like but um, maybe if you're more into the like 
Yeah. The Disney purist mindset of like, well, this could never happen. This is upsetting. Yeah, but I, I think might not that, like that. Yeah, I think that all that window dressing is really fun. I yeah, think it, no, it goes I think it's a, a lot of fun. Making the cards like enjoyable and desirable and just like cool to look at. It's got the twinkiest Jafar you've ever <laughs> fucking seen. Right, because examples of that in practice are like, yeah, like there's a, you know, there's Jasmine, Jasmine, like as you mm-hmm. know her, kind of just exactly as she exists in Aladdin. Uh, where there like there's a version of a card where she's just kind of like out in Agrabah, mm-hmm. like you know, implied to be in the part of the movie where she's kind of like venturing out of the palace. Yeah. Uh, there's a version of her in the game that's like Jasmine as the Sultan, which is like you said, kind of that butterfly effect. Like, oh, what if part of this narrative was just different? Yeah. Uh, and so it basically still exists in the movie canon, but like a slightly inverted version of mm-hmm. it. Um, and then there's like stuff like that one. Uh, that Bell that looks like a blue mage and magic's just like, what if Bell were like a cyberpunk inventor? Yeah, and that's like something that's crazy. just like it's basically like, just like that character in a totally different universe that is mm-hmm. like completely unrelated to the universe that they fundamentally exist in. Um, and I think an those alternate are all really universe, neat. so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I think those are all really neat. I think yeah, that's a, I like the that's a really sweet, uh, a really cool way that they have given the artists more liberty to just like add a little something mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, just Mickey mouse or whatever. <laughs> um, and I think it's really cool. And again, it just like, for me, I will always like a card game better when they do custom art for stuff. Cause when yeah. we worked on, um, Metacross, that was still like the, one of the things that made those cards look so boring and so cheap was that it was just every single image was like, you know, the, the most- first set was DC superheroes and every single image was just, plucked from some clearly Warner Brothers had dropped like a fucking folder of like here's 400 images and you can use any of these you want and they're just existing like you know comic book pictures or like cut out of their backgrounds and pasted onto a card game card or Um, sometimes I think they were like full art like maybe like a cover or something like there was like the characters were all just like literally a transparent JPEG or whatever on a thing but it just it did right but yeah it looked they looked ugly it made the product way more boring than if it had been like commissioned art from like people actually like here's my take on Superman it's just like you know an artist with an idea versus like existing art that had you know had some purpose to exist in like some previous comic book or marketing material and they were like hey you can also just use this for (laughs) just kind of slap it on whatever you want Uh, put it wherever I don't care yeah, but um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say on Lorcana. Is like I said, I think it's a really exciting product that I think could do a lot well for the. It could do a lot of good for the card game playing <laughs> community as a whole if it takes off in the way. Or that, it could do a lot of bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I don't, I don't think it could make that make that scene worse <laughs> if that's what you're no, saying. No, yeah, it probably won't like tip the scale. Like, and that's go, not to say that go it's up like another like. Uh huh. A centimeter of this. This is just bad. And, but. and again, that's not to saying that it's like super atrocious either. But like, like Destiny, I'd say the card game scene is like mid to like slight negative mid. Yeah. <laughs> of like, it's it's uh, it's perfectly like okay, and like you said, that way that like nerdy hobbies are like fine, but it could stand to be much improved. Mm-hmm. And I think there is like movement for Lorcana to potentially tip that scale if it can bring in like a significant number of new people. We shall um, see. But yeah, we'll find out. And again, the things they need to fix on their front are like more than anything product availability. Mm-hmm. Like if if the second set comes out and it's still this fucked up of like, oh well, stores ordered ten boxes and they got one. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know what the fuck like they're doing at that point. Like you guys should take this shit seriously. Like mm-hmm. print enough product to get into the channel, <laughs> like uh, so that people can just walk into a store without like having to line up at four a.m. and just buy some. Yeah. Oh, uh, like that shit just straight up sucks. 
we'll see how that evolves over the the weeks and months to come too. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing that, like I said, I haven't played a card game in a very long time, so it was to some degree fun just to like build a deck or two and just kind of fuck around. Uh, Party time. I, I think it could be very positive for card games as a whole. Delightful. And with all that said, I think we're probably going to call it a show. Lorraine, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Oh, uh, yeah. Internet, people out there online, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, if you want to keep up on what we're doing, as I said before, you can join our Discord server. Mm-hmm. Go to com. click the Discord icon. Uh, you can find our games on Steam by searching Cubicorn Games if you want to play Down the Drain or eventually wish list to play Super Cucumber. Mm-hmm. Those are listed on there. If you ever have an indie game that you'd like us to check out, that's still a thing that, like, if we ever get requests, we'll definitely do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someday, if we ever find ourselves less busy, I don't know, we're pretty deep in the production pipeline at this point, yeah. but uh, we'll start doing it again on our own time. Yeah, I'm hoping that, like, once we can get these two games done, mm-hmm. get these games that have been in development for so long done, then we can kind of reevaluate our entire workflow process starting from the beginning again for the first time in like a decade like because then there's like we're we're st- i still feel very beholden and as, as i should to our kickstarter mm-hmm. thing like no i want wrong. to deliver something for those people who gave us money for sure um which is why i want to like i i understand and totally am like on board with the like kind of like pseudo crunch we've been sort of sprinting in for the past like mm-hmm. couple like maybe over a year or so like the down the drain sprint was hell but after that um right we've kind of like kept up a jogging pace more or less since then mm-hmm. um but once we're like past that um we're more just on our own like kind of keeping our like i guess answering to ourselves more than anything else of like how much, like, what milestones we want to be hitting? How fast do we want to work on something? Like, it'll be a reevaluation of the whole process of what we're doing, which I think will be good. And I'd really like to get these games just out. And then maybe we'll have just different ways to allocate our time with uh, a different kind of, like, I guess, rule set sort of around what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you've got a game that you, you're working on, you want us to check it out, you can join our Discord and hit us up there or email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. It's true. And we will play it on the internet and talk about it on this podcast. Hell yeah. Uh, most likely. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's it. I think we're going to actually call it a show. Wow. So we're going to keep working hard. Another couple weeks here, like I said. We'll, uh, yeah. I th- maybe only, I think it is probably only one more show before, one more podcast before uh, Cleveland Gaming Classic. If my ma- mental math is correct. Yeah, uh, I think we'll be doing one the week before and the week after. Yeah, so by we'll, that math, we'll have one more check-in kind of before that version of Cucumber is... And then a roundup afterwards. You know, up and about. And then until then, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Woo. Stay safe out there. Hell yeah. And we will see you next time, Internet. Bye!